Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. As I kick off in our series today, Living an Unstoppable Life, uh, part two, I want to tell you about Sarah Breedlove. She was born the sixth child of ex-slaves uh, in 1867, and she was orphaned at just seven years old, married at 14, I mean, talk about a bad start in life, and widowed at 20. And she ended up with a little child that she wanted to raise, Alelia, and she believed that this child would get private schooling. She had aspirations, even though it was in the late 1800s. And so she decided to take work for a dollar a day as a washerwoman and began to put money away. Well, she remarried, and during her second marriage to a man called Charles James Walker, his name is important, you'll see why in a moment, she realized that her hair was falling out and she was suffering from a, 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 a loss of hair because of poor diet, infrequent washing, and she used hair products that were damaging on her hair. And so she realized there was a market for hair products and started researching, studying, and uh, finding out about it. She learned everything she could about hair products. She experimented with various concoctions of her own way back then in the 1800s. And uh, she, in 1905, decided to form a company which we, she called after her husband the Madam C.J. Walker Manufacturing Company. Pretty amazing, and she sold her hair, hair products and cosmetic creams, and um, she uh, opened this headquarters, built a factory, a laboratory, a hair salon, and a beauty school where she trained 10,000 agents to go out and sell this stuff. Listen, it was bigger than Helena Rubinstein and uh, Elizabeth Arden, and uh, she, she said this, she said that uh, I got my start by giving myself a start. And uh, she believed in self-respect through self-support, a hand up, not a handout, and she started earning six figures. It's the equivalent of millions today. And uh, she became the world's richest negress and uh, America's first black female millionaire. I mean, orphaned at seven, married at 14, widowed at 20, didn't know anything about hair products, but recognized the need and just began to forge her head, no matter what her beginning was. And uh, the uh, author John Blundell, in a book called Ladies for Liberty, book worth reading, a woman who made a difference in American history, he says, it is reliably claimed that she was the first woman ever to make a million without an inheritance, husband or government intervention. She did it on her own. Sounds to me like she had bad fortune but she was unstoppable. And she says, uh, to quote her, I'm a woman who came from the cotton fields in the south. From there, I was promoted to the wash tub. From there, I was promoted to the cook kitchen. Kitchen cook, but she says cook kitchen. And from there, I promoted myself into the business of manufacturing hair goods and preparations. It's pretty hard for the Lord to guide you if you haven't made up your mind which way to go. I love this story, and you may have heard it before, because she started from humble beginnings, but you know what? She was unstoppable. And today, so many Christians are put off. Why is it? What is it that puts you off? What is it that throws you off your stride? Do you have one setback, and then you decide your life is, is ruined? 
Christians of all people should be unstoppable in the face of challenges because we've got God living in us and working through us. I love what the psalmist says, and I want to remind you of it today. Psalm 18 and verse 29, for by you I can run against a troop. And he goes on to say, and by my God I can leap over a wall. I can keep going no matter what obstacles because God is in me. And he's working through me. And I want to teach you today again on how to live an unstoppable life. And uh, our text today that we're going to read is a, it's not too long, but it's a text about Elisha pursuing Elijah. And when you read it, it's like, why is this in the Bible? What's this long story about going from one place to another? Why is it in the Bible? I believe it's an example of unstoppableness when God has given you a calling and he's given you a promise. And so we're going to read from 2 Kings chapter 2, a couple of verses, and then I'll give you four things today that we can do to live an unstoppable life. Let's dig into the word here. Chapter 2 of 2 Kings, verse 4. It says, when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were traveling from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, stay here for the Lord has told me to go to Bethel. But Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. I love this phrase. So they went down together to Bethel. See, when you get told to stop, don't stop. Keep going. The group of prophets from Bethel came to Elisha and asked him, did you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Of course I know, Elisha answered, but be quiet about it. There are so many COVID deaths, and this is just another one, but I'm unstoppable. It's hidden in the, in, the, in the Hebrew. Then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Jericho. But Elisha replied again, as, sure as, as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together. I love that. To Jericho. Then the group of the prophets from Jericho came to Elisha and asked him, did you know? that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Of course I know, Elisha answered, but be quiet about it. Do you notice how many times he told his friends to be quiet? There's a lesson there. Then verse six, then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here for the Lord has told me to go to the Jordan River. So they go from Gilgal to Bethel to Jericho to the Jordan River. And we'll talk about those a little bit later. But again, Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. And there's this phrase again. So they went on together. Let me just pause here. You know what? If you're married today and people are telling you to leave, go on together. If you're committed to your church and people are telling you to join another church because it's now open and you can go to services, no, you go on together. We must be unstoppable. And it says here, Again, 50 men of the group of prophets who also went and watched from a distance as Elijah and Elisha stopped beside the Jordan River. Then Elijah folded his cloak together and struck the water with it, and the river divided, and the two of them went across on dry ground. When they came to the other side, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what I can do for you before I'm taken away. And Elisha replied, please, let me inherit a double share of your spirit, double portion and become your successor. And then he says, if you see me, bam, a chariot comes, catches up Elijah into heaven, 
and Elisha receives the mantle, he strikes the Jordan, and he receives a double portion. I love that it says they went on together. And you know what? We must go on with Jesus together. And if you're in the room today, you know what? When you go on and you're unstoppable, that's where you find the miraculous. That's where you find the will of God. That's where you find the double portion. And too many people want the benefits without going on. And people celebrate giving up today. It's almost considered noble to give up. Shame, are you having mental health issues? Yes, sit on the sidelines. Take the check. Receive the fame. But poor you. No, we need to endure. We need to go on. And we mustn't even listen to some Christians who are trying to deter us from going on. They kept trying to tell Elijah, Elisha, Elijah's going to die. Why didn't they keep telling him, hey, you could inherit a double portion? No, they pointed out the negatives to make him stoppable, but he was unstoppable. So four things we need if we're going to live an unstoppable life from this passage today, very simply but very powerfully. Number one, we need to live for the cause of Christ. You need to live for the cause of Christ. The cause of Christ will keep you going when everything goes wrong in your life. When people die, when business closes, when there's no money, when there's loss after loss after loss, when brother, uncle, friend, family member, father, mother dies, you go on. Why? Because you live for the cause of Christ. You're not just living for earthly comfort and earthly benefits. And Elisha lived to serve the man of God. He followed him, poured water on his hands, committed to serve his ministry, and it's like being part of the church. You made that commitment, you don't give up. But people are telling me I should. People are discouraging me. Things are happening. You keep going on together. And you know what? When there's no cause, there's no power. And you'll see in the life of Jesus, Jesus was unstoppable. Why? He had a cause. He had something that he was living for, and we need to live for the cause of Christ let me remind you here in Luke chapter 9 and verse 51 how unstoppable Jesus was. It says, as the time drew near for him, Jesus, to ascend to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out. Notice that. He resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He sent messages ahead to a Samaritan village to prepare for his arrival. But the people of the village did not welcome Jesus because he was on his way to Jerusalem. When James and John saw this, they said to Jesus, Lord, should we call down fire from heaven and burn them up? Talk about grace. But Jesus turned and rebuked them, so they went on to another village. When there's rejection in your life, do you give up or do you go on? Do you get angry? I've seen churches in our country getting angry because we can't meet, because there's rejection of some sort because of what we're facing. We must respond correctly by saying, no, the cause of Christ continues. Even though we don't meet, we can worship, we can give, we can pray, we can lean into the word, we can stay connected. We don't have the wrong response to blockages and obstacles and rejection. We go on, why? Because we live for the cause of Christ, which is actually bigger than church buildings. And you know, when you've got a need and a calling and a cause, you keep going. That's why Elisha continued. He was living for the cause of God. I love what Proverbs 30 talks about. And here's a challenge for us. We're compared to locusts. And uh, and, and, and it says here, Solomon speaking, says there are four things on earth that are small but unusually wise. Locusts, they have no king, but they march 
like an army in ranks. In other words, they know what they're supposed to do because they're guided by something internal that keeps them going. When the wind blows, when things are challenging, locusts just keep going because it's like God's built into them. But guess what? We need to realize that we have a cause that's in us and we need to keep going too. Now, if you look at Joel, Joel talks about the locusts too, but I love what the message paraphrase says because it's not the message Bible, by the way. It's a paraphrase. It's someone's opinion of what the scripture says, but I love it because it just brings out a little bit of colorful language and it's talking about locusts. It says they climb barricades. Nothing stops them. Each soldier does what he's told. So disciplined, so determined. They don't get in each other's way. Each one knows his job and does it undaunted and fearless, unswerving, unstoppable. You know what locusts do? Locusts eat their way through problems. They have problems for breakfast. And that's what Christians need. I've got this cause in me. I'm living for the cause of Christ. Do you know he's going to die? Do you know that this is going to happen? We're going to this place. Sorry, just keep quiet. I am unstoppable. I'm living for the cause. I've been called to follow my master, and we've been called to follow Jesus. And you know what? If you keep going, that's where the miracle is. That's where the double portion is. That's where the will of God is. And we see this wonderful picture here. We need to live for the cause of Christ. And you know, when you're cause-driven, you'd be amazed what, can, what comes out of you. Um, Craig Rochelle wrote a book some time back, a very good book called It. And I don't have time to explain the book, but in the, in the book he tells a story and he says, if someone came to you and said to you, uh, can you raise a million rand in a month? Most of us, most average people who don't have resources stored away, massive assets would say, gosh, I don't, a month? I don't think so. But he says, if your husband or wife or child was sick, and ill, and you, you needed a million rand in order to pay for their medical bills, suddenly that need and that cause would start making you think of ways to do it, and you'd probably come up with asking, loaning, uh, uh, what's it, uh, crowdfunding. You'd find a way, why? Because the cause would make you. And too many of us don't have a cause, that's why we stopped. And the cause of Christ supersedes need, it supersedes challenges, death, problems, Elisha just keeps going, why? Because he's got a cause. He's got his eye on the man of God. He's got his eye on his calling. And we need to keep our eyes on our calling, not on the immediate circumstances that put us off. You know, when you've got a cause, you do unbelievable things. I was reading again, and many of you have heard these stories, but it's so powerful in the context of what we're facing. And I was reading about this woman, Harriet Tubman. She was a slave in America for 27 years. And uh, her three sisters were sold to plantation owners, but uh, she knew that she could get free. And if you ran to Pennsylvania, it was, it was called a free state. You could live there as a slave in freedom. And so she ran away and got to Pennsylvania. But then she didn't stop there. She started what was called the Underground Railroad, a series of people and connections and business people, white and black, who brought slaves from the south to the north, to Pennsylvania and on to Canada. And she went back and forth, made 13 trips and 70 people, including her aging parents, her brothers and their wives, she was able to bring them up to safety and into a completely new way of life. What made her risk her life? What made her keep going back and facing danger? It was a cause. She lived for a cause. And in a book called Bound for the Promised Land by Kate Clifford Larson, she says, 
that Tubman's efforts to free the slaves was both monumental and dangerous. And to quote her, she says, the fact that she frequently returned to the Eastern Shore on these missions set Tubman apart from even those brave souls who swelled the roots of the Underground Railroad. Those, those risking their lives were nothing. She kept going back to help bring them up. And she goes on to say in the book here, for self-liberators such as Tubman, it was unusual to return to the land of their enslavers, risking capture, re-enslavement, or even lynching to help others seek freedom. Uh, freedom. She, was, uh, she was unstoppable because she had a cause. And once she was uh, uh, doing something, someone came and hit her with a one kilogram weight uh, on her head. Why? And from that time she had fits, she had buzzing uh, in her ears, tinnitus, and she had constant headaches. And then she met a surgeon and the surgeon said, I can operate on you and I can lift off your skull and maybe you'll get a bit of relief. And so she said, okay, you can operate on me. And he said, well, you need to take anesthetic. She said, no, I don't want anesthetic. So she bit on a bullet. You talk about biting the bullet. She bit on a bullet, a proper bullet. She bit on it. He sawed her head open, lifted up. She said, I immediately felt relief. The woman went on to live to 91 years old and has gone down in history unbelievably as one of the most unstoppable people she was the first female in 2016 to be put on the banknote of u.s currency talk about unstoppable why a cause and you know when you've got a cause you become unstoppable many of us think of william wilberforce as the key man and i think we forget that actually william Wil wilberforce wasn't at the forefront it was a man actually called thomas clarkson who was at the forefront. William Wilberforce was in Parliament, but Thomas Clarkson was the man who fed him information, traveled 56,000 kilometers on horseback, gathering information, feeding it to Wilberforce, and Wilberforce fed it to Parliament. And it all started with Clarkson writing an essay on slavery, and it haunted him, and he then started a committee, and eventually his life was at risk. I can't tell you the whole story, it's too long. But uh, Clarkson was responsible for finally uh, initiating the, 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 the cease of slavery in Britain. He was a committed evangelical Christian, by the way. And, and, and they say religion is the cause of all the problems in the world. No, it's not. It's Christians with a cause who care for others that remove these challenges. And within 100 years of Clarkson writing that essay, slavery was abolished across the whole of the world, on paper that is, but finally people were released. You know, when you have a spirit and a cause, you become unstoppable. And that's why Elisha did not give up. So let me go on to number two, because I see the minutes just tick away. Why do the minutes tick away? Did they speed up the clock? Are you listening to me at home? Number two, don't be put off by the opinions and comments of others. You know what they say? They say ships don't sink because of what's around them. What's all around ships? Water. But ships don't sink because of what's around them. Ships sink because of what gets into them. And you've got to be careful that the comments of people, especially people who don't know Jesus, but even sometimes those who do know Jesus, you've got to be careful that their comments don't stop you from the call of God in your life. Because they'll sound so reasonable. Several sets of prophets try to stop Elijah, Elisha. They kept reminding, did you know? You're uninformed. Have you watched CNN? Did you watch Sky? Did you watch CNBC? Don't you know that on social media they are saying? Now, sometimes the cause of Christ, and you need to shut your ears because well-meaning people will stop you. And uh, maybe God was, was uh, 
testing. Maybe Elijah needed some personal time alone. But maybe God was seeing, do you really want this? Can I trust you with a double portion? And uh, no, one, no one pointed out that he could inherit a double portion. They kept pointing out the negatives. And I want to encourage you, in your life, people will point out the negatives. You've got to press on because later they will respect you. I remember when we started uh, Rivers Church, changed the name of the church, and began to move forward and grow the church, had multiple services. You can't believe the negativity that I experienced in my life. But today, people have huge respect for us. And you know, it's interesting. Elisha pursues Elijah they give him all the negativity, and then the Bible says when he ended up with a mantle, verse 13, it says that they came and they bowed down to him. Why didn't they bow down to him in the first place? No, while you're pursuing, while you're facing challenges, no one will bow down. They will just bring their negative comments, and uh, sometimes you have to shrug them off. You'll remember in the book of Acts, chapter 21, Paul is uh, in uh, the city with a group of prophets, and uh, Agabus comes, and he ties his hands up with a girdle. Do you, you, some, some of you will remember that. And he says to Paul, this is what they're going to do to the man who goes, in, in fact, he says, this is what the Holy Spirit says they're going to do to the man who goes to reduce him. In other words, Paul, take note, I'm speaking to you by the Spirit. This is what they're going to do to you. And get, Paul doesn't say, thanks so much, eh? I hadn't watched the news broadcast. I didn't realize it was getting that hectic. He looks at him and says, thank you so much, but I'm ready to die for the cause of Christ. You see, sometimes you've got to keep going. You've got to be unstoppable. Why? Because you've got a cause and you don't listen to the comments. You'll remember in Galatians when Paul saw the church being stopped, they, they stopped in their tracks and they stopped believing in grace. In Galatians, he says this, you were running well. Notice this, who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Notice he doesn't say what hindered you. He says who hindered you because often in your life, it's not the what's that hinder you. It's the who's that you let get into you that will hinder you. And people will put you off your dreams. They'll put you off your goals. They will put you off the good things God's got. They will put you off prosperity. When I go online, I cannot believe the articles written by Christians attacking God's blessing and prosperity as though we are evil and what we believe is evil when God wanted to prosper people from the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible. But you'll be put off if you let those comments get into your life. And you mustn't be put off pursuing God. Don't be put off your dreams. Don't be put off your marriage. Don't be put off starting or running a business. Don't be put off being prosperous and profiting because you can't help others if you can't even help yourself. Prosperity is not just money getting to you. It's getting money through you. And you can make a difference in your life. You know, I read a very good book and I recommended it to some of the leadership team. And the book's called, Was Jesus a Socialist? The answer is no. But the book's called, Was Jesus a Socialist? by Lawrence Reed. And he tells the story of a man in there called Richard Ransom. He established what's called the Hickory Farms uh, in 1951. And how he started Hickory Farms, by the way, these shops that you can see on the screen, there were a thousand of them. They've now gone online. But there were a thousand of these shops. Guess how he started this business? He made handmade cheeses at home. And then he went to these fairs and set up a table, you know, like a market put a table out with cheeses and crackers and offered them for free. Come, hi, have a taste, see what you think, chew on it. If you, you know, if you like it, come back. 
He ends up with this massive business, 500 employees, $183 million a year, $2.6 billion. That's what SA Express Airlines bring in. But guess what? Now that he's done that from nothing, they call him the 1%. You 1%ers. So what do we do? Do we work hard? Do we achieve our goals? No, we get put off. Why? Because we are the rich and there's so much inequality. And you know what? How dare you have so much money? But I started with cheese on a table. So you see, now it happens. You get confused as a Christian as to what you should do because the comments of people get into you and they sink you. Ships don't sink because of what's around them. They sink because of what's in them. And you've got to guard the input in your life. And Elijah here is telling him to stay. The prophets are telling him to stay. But Elisha keeps going. He shrugs it off. And he sees the miracles. You know, I have been, possible man, I've been unstoppable in business. When we were young Christians and I bought my first brand new car. My parents, my mom never owned a, a brand new car. We bought our first brand new car. We bought our first house. People came to me and they said, this is what Christians used to say, it's all gonna burn. And I used to say, you know what? Until it burns, I'm gonna enjoy it. And we'd bless the church, give money to missionaries. We bought a tent for evangelism. Don't let people kill your dreams and stop you from prospering. The alternative to prosperity is poverty. And poverty doesn't get people out of poverty. Prosperity gets people out of poverty. I, I feel so strongly about it. I'm going to speak about it soon. But we need to be people of progress. And, uh, and as soon as you progress, they call you the 1%. We need to push the comments of people aside and pursue the things of God. Number three. Are you being helped in the room? We need to press beyond challenging places. In your life as you journey, you will face challenging places. They were at Gilgal. Do you know what Gilgal stands for? Flesh. If you want to move forward in life, the flesh will always stop you. Then they go to Bethel. It's the place where you have an encounter with God. But then they go to Jericho. Why Jericho? Jericho was shut up. Remember when Joshua marched around it? It's the place where Satan stops you. But if you can go past the flesh, you can go to an encounter, you can push past Satan's blockages, you get to Jordan, the place where you cross over. And when you cross over, that's where the blessing comes. But most people stop at the flesh. They let comments put them off. They don't have an encounter. They let Satan block their way and they don't cross over. But when you cross over, that's where you get the blessing. 41 kilometers he travels after Elijah and he gets the double portion. And we have to press past obstacles and places. You know, sometimes the places you have to press past are the places in your mind. People are struggling at the moment at home with issues, mental health, challenges. And you know what? Everyone is sympathetic and everyone, yes, shame. No, we need steel in our spines. We need a cause. We need to shut out comments and we need to go on with God. I'm going past the feelings of my flesh. I can't live by feelings, feelings of anger, feelings of disappointment, feelings of weariness, feelings of changing my mind about what I believe. No, I need to go past flesh to an encounter. But then Satan's going to stop me because I've had an encounter. But then I'm going to go on to the Jordan where I cross over and I receive God's blessing. I was reading about how many pastors are giving up during lockdown. Over the past 18 months with no in-person meetings, with declining incomes, no people to connect with. One pastor said, people at church seem more concerned about the latest social media dust-up and online conspiracy theories. One church member called me the Antichrist for my views on COVID. 
Sunday mornings have become filled with dread over what could go wrong next. I know that feeling because anything you say could be taken out of context. You could be made a racist. You could be made a capitalist. You could be made someone you're not. And the pressure on pastors, but guess what? You have to be unstoppable. People will make comments. Christians will make comments. Leaders will make comments. You've got to become unstoppable. Keep the cause of Christ in front of your mind and press past your challenging places in your mind. And I notice here that pastors are struggling. They say, I was called to preach. Now I have to be a, a video producer and a, I have to be a content creator. Well, that's what's called for right now. And I have to put my, my, my feelings in my pocket and I have to press through and we all have to press through. And it's a challenging time, but we need to be unstoppable in Jesus' name. And I can't understand it. Our pastors can give up on their faith. The flesh has got to be got past. You've got to have an encounter. You then got to press through Jericho because Satan wants to bind you. But then you get to Jordan where you cross over. Francois Mauriac was a French novelist and he said this, anyone who has truly known God can never be cured of him. In other words, if you really met the Lord and you called, you can keep going, but you've got to go past the places where the enemy wants to contain you. Number four, and I need to come to a close, we need to patiently wait on God's timing. Gosh, when will this end? Who knows? But Elisha had to keep going and he had to wait on God. He had to go from place to place, 41 kilometers. Maybe it was God's plan that he wait. Sometimes it's God's plan that we wait for things. Abraham and Isaac, uh, sorry, Abraham and Sarah had to wait till Abraham was 100 years old before the child was born. They were pretty wrinkled. When along came the birth of a nation. Do you know that a birth of a nation can happen when you think it's over? God can birth a brand new thing in you and you can think it's over? No, you need to keep going. And even Isaac had to wait. He was much older, 20 years. He had to wait being married until uh, Esau and Jacob were born. And sometimes God wants us to wait. He wanted Elijah, uh, Elisha to wait. And he had a plan in that waiting and maybe God wants you to wait. He wants us to wait, but we need to be unstoppable in the waiting. And don't let age be an issue. People say, well, you know, I'm getting on now. And then I look at them and I'm like, you're 50. You're getting on. I'm not getting on. I'm going on. I'm not getting on. As I move to a close, Daphne Self is the world's oldest working model at 90 years old. And they say she's, they say she's undeniably Definitely beautiful. And she relaunched her career at 70. Can you believe it? She made not the mother of all comebacks, the grandmother of comebacks. And uh, she launched herself uh, as a supermodel again. And she said, I do realize the new millennium for many ages to be feared. That's propaganda. I do realize the body is not quite the same, but I push myself. The children think it's hilarious that I'm still modeling. I don't do retiring though. When life is so interesting, why should I give it up until it gives me up? See, you've got to keep going and you've got to wait and we have to wait. And you say, well, you know, time is just going by. Yes, it is, but you've got to keep your eye on the prize. Elisha kept pursuing. He kept his eye. He pressed through places. He held on to the cause. He didn't let comments deter him. And he ended up with a double portion. He ended up with the miraculous he ended up with the blessing of God. Let's keep going. 
I want to close by reading this verse of Scripture, 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 24, because I feel people are sometimes so soft on themselves. And I want you to toughen up today. I know you've been through challenges. But Paul says, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. In other words, keep going. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. You've got to keep going. You've got to keep going. You've got to tell your body like David told his body, soul, why are you so downcast? Yet will I praise you. You've got to talk to yourself. And you've got to go on because if you give in, the enemy will stop you. You see, the flesh is first. It's Gilgal. Then the encounter regains your, your, your verve and your energy. But then you come to Jericho where everything seems to be blocked. But if you press through those places, you come to Jordan where you cross over. And we have to keep going. Before I pray with you today, I want to tell you about a Kenyan woman who was running a marathon in Austin, 42-kilometer marathon, and she was leading the pack. Haivon Ngetek. And she was a phenomenal, phenomenal athlete, leading all the way until the last kilometer where she started becoming weary from 37 kilometers, sorry, right up to the last kilometer where her body started shutting down. And she fell on the ground and the medical team came running with a wheelchair. And you know, the minute you get in the wheelchair, it's over. She crawled on her hands and knees and ended up crossing the finish line third in the female category. And this is what the organizer of the race said. He said, you ran the bravest race and crawled the bravest crawl I have ever seen in my life. I hope they can say that of us, that with COVID, we ran the bravest race and we kept crawling. Even when we got struck down, we went from Gilgal to Bethel to Jericho to the Jordan. And then we crossed over and we entered our inheritance Let's keep going and let's not give up because God's got great things for us in our future. I trust that you will live a life that's unstoppable. Chase the double portion and expect God's blessing and shut out the negativity that comes on the news and even comments from Christians because God's got good things in store for you. I'm gonna pray right now for every believer and I'm gonna ask God for his favor. Lord, I ask for your favor over every Christian, put strength in us like Elijah, like Elisha, help us to keep running, keep going, not give up. When we read these stories, we think, why is this in the Bible? But it's teaching us unstoppableness. And I pray that you'd sow that into the hearts of Christians, that they wouldn't give up on your best, they wouldn't give up on your blessing. And uh, help us to be people who press forward, no matter what's happened to us, expecting God's favor in the midst of challenges. Thank you, Lord, for that in Jesus' name. Now, if you're here watching online and you don't know Jesus, you know what? You'll be stopped. You might have a lot of uh, inspiration. You might have a lot of motivation. But I'll tell you what, eventually, as you go from place to place, life will stop you. Because unless you've got God in your life, you can't keep going. And I want to encourage you today, if you don't know Jesus, to invite him into your life. Make him the Lord of your life. Take on the cause of Christ. Don't just live for the cause of material things. 
wonderful blessing of God, uh, the material blessings, but the cause of Christ supersedes that. And if you don't know Jesus today, you can make him Lord by inviting him into your life, by thanking him for his death for your sins, acknowledging that you can't save yourself, and then making him Lord of your life and committing to be a disciple of Christ. If you would like Jesus to come into your life, I'm going to pray with you. And you can pray this prayer after me right now while you feel that, that sense of prompting. Pray this prayer with me. Thank you, Father, for Jesus Christ, my Savior. I believe in him today. I make him my Lord and Savior. I receive his forgiveness and I commit to follow him today. Thank you, Father, for salvation. Amen. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message. 